Hello and welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, where we share the legacy of women of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. You'll get to know the faithful women who shaped our past and hear from inspiring women of faith today. I'm Shailen Back. And I'm Carly Guyman. We are your co-hosts. Today, we are so excited to welcome Sister Michelle Craig, the first counselor in the Engelman General Presidency, to the podcast. Sister Craig, welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. And I guess we should say welcome back because Sister Craig was actually on the podcast, I guess, a little bit more than a year ago with the entire Young Women Presidency. So we'll be sure to also link that episode. That was really fun. That was fun. To get to know the three of you, and you each also shared some fun things about each other. It was fun to see your interaction together. Mm -hmm. You know what? We love each other a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So to briefly introduce Sister Craig, Sister Michelle Craig has been serving as the first counselor in the Young Women General Presidency since March of 2018, so two and a half, a little over two years, and she'd previously served on the primary general board. Sister Craig has three children. She served as a young missionary in the Dominican Republic, and from that she speaks some Spanish. I do. (laughs) I'm trying to revive that. Revive it. Yes. Well, that is impressive. I think a lot of missionaries can relate to that need for a revival. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Sister Craig, you recently shared with us that every week you are speaking and participating in a variety of virtual devotionals. This has been so interesting to hear how things have shifted in the midst of the global pandemic, COVID-19. And so you've been doing virtual devotionals, focus groups, trainings, all of these things all over the world. And most recently in Russia and Ukraine, in the Caribbean, in the southeastern United States, it's really amazing and so impressive. (laughs) It's remarkable what's happening. And just the opportunities. We would love to hear if you could just share about one of your recent assignments and the impact it had on you. I think our listeners would love to hear that. Well, like you mentioned, it really is remarkable what's happened since COVID-19 hit. And yes, we are so anxious to get back to in-person meetings. And I don't think there's anything that replaces eye to eye when you're right by somebody and giving hugs Mm -hmm. and that That's contact. what we keep hearing from the sisters. They just say, we just want to be able to give people hugs again. <laughs> yes, like to hug somebody and not feel like you're breaking a rule. I'm so anxious for that. I'm a hugger. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the scope of what we're able to do has just expanded. And I think once things go back to quote unquote normal, I think there are some aspects of what we're doing and what we're learning that will never change. Like you said, in one week... I mean, I was able to do a home visit in the Ukraine to sit down virtually in somebody's living room and talk to do a devotional in Moscow, a devotional in Ukraine, training in the Caribbean. I mean, this is all in one week. We would never be able to do that if we were traveling. It's unbelievable. (laughs) It's really remarkable. One thing that I'm learning, it's really a sacred thing to be invited into people's homes. I just love looking at people in their homes and looking at the background, and you just get a sense, just the tiniest sense of their life. Sometimes we see women in their cars because that is the only quiet place. Sometimes you see women with a baby or walking back and forth with a child, or you just, you get a glimpse into life that is really sweet, and to me, it's a sacred thing to be allowed into someone's home. I have learned although it's not the same teaching to a screen, you know, I really try to just like look at those faces and eyes and connect. But the Holy Ghost is not limited. We've had some really sweet experiences teaching over a computer. And 
the Holy Ghost is the best teacher. So it really is remarkable. An experience that stands out probably because it was my most recent Zoom experience, but it really was a sweet and tender experience, was not a large devotional. It wasn't a large training. But Sunday morning, Sister Corden and Sister Craven and I had the opportunity of virtually visiting some young women who were in a facility, a special school, and they've been having some challenges. It was so sweet. I think we all felt the spirit and felt the great love that Heavenly Father has for each individual and for these sweet young women who had had some hard things in their lives, Mm -hmm. and they were trying to work things out. But to sit down for an hour and have a conversation, and I think we all felt the spirit and felt great love for each other. And I don't know, that just stands out in my last couple of weeks. It's just a really sweet experience. It was only three girls. How special for them. It was really... It was special for us as a presidency. It really was. And we commented after how grateful we feel for technology that allows us to do these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So we can minister to a lot of people and we can minister to just a few. Well, and it's probably really rewarding after being in these really large meetings to be able to sit down and talk almost one-on-one with this really small group of girls, that that's also really valuable. And so neat that you're getting to hear their experiences and getting thoughts and feedback from them. Yeah, it was really sweet. That was a highlight. Great. Thank you for sharing. Mm -hmm. In a recent leadership training, Elder Bednar counseled youth and their leaders to be, he said, laser focused on the work of salvation. And he went on to describe, we don't just want activities that entertain or check off a box. And then I thought this was so interesting. Twice in just a couple minutes, he urged the leaders in this training, do not underestimate the capacity of the young women and young men that you work with. And then he said that twice. And you actually directed us to this training as something that's been really impactful to you and Sister Corden and Sister Craven. As I thought about that, you've served in this Young Women's General Presidency now for a couple years. We'd love to hear what you have learned about the capacity of young women, especially their class presidencies, these young leaders. They're remarkable. And I would just encourage the listeners to go back and to listen. This was a talk given by Elder Bednar at the Roots Tech Leadership Session. As a Young Women Presidency, the lights went on for us when we heard this. And I just love how the Lord teaches us line upon line, precept upon precept. But we heard Elder Bednar teach and testify about the capacity of youth, which we knew. And he talked about it under the umbrella of the work of salvation and exaltation, and that we need to be laser beam focused on the work of salvation and exaltation. And that is a lot of big words, and it sounds a little overwhelming. <laughs> kind of have to and break like, that down. Yeah, like it's hard. Like we know that it's good, but the handbook describes it as living the gospel of Jesus Christ, caring for those in need, inviting all to receive the gospel, and uniting families for eternity. And when we teach, we like, it's so simple. It's live, care, invite, unite. That's what the work of salvation and exaltation is. Live, care, invite, unite. And the youth, when they can begin to see that this is their purpose, the lights go on for them as well. And mm-hmm. I think gone are the days where we entertain our youth at church. I mean, they have plenty of places they can go for entertainment. But one of the things I love about the youth today is they want to be involved in a cause. Mm-hmm. They, they want do. to make a difference. And when they can begin to see 
that the cause of Jesus Christ and his work can be their cause and that they can be active participants in this, they become engaged. And it's really simple. It's live, care, invite, unite. And President Nelson, we loved his message at the recent face-to-face that he gave. And he linked those principles, living, caring, inviting, and uniting with gathering Israel. He has called all of us and the youth to be active participants in the gathering of Israel. And we do that by being engaged in the work of salvation and exaltation. And the youth are amazing. They want a cause. They want to make a difference. They have been sent to earth at this time for a very specific purpose. I mean, they could have been born 2,000 years ago, but they were saved for these days. And the Lord knew they would be living in a global pandemic. The Lord knew they would have the challenges and blessings that come with technology and mm-hmm. distraction. And exactly. He knew that, and He did not send any of us here to fail, and they have been prepared. And adult leaders have the privilege of helping youth discover that and to be mentors and shepherds so that they can then shepherd other people. And we're so inspired by young women throughout the world you know, as we put together our face-to-face mm-hmm. months before we issued an invitation to do 150 of something mm-hmm. because we were celebrating 150 years of the Young Women Organization. And the responses that we started to see from around the world were so inspiring. Just testimonies of the greatness and the capacity of the youth today. Some things were small. Some things were really big. Can you share some examples of some of your favorites? I'm just thinking about how creative. Yes, so creative. Okay, one was a young woman from Uruguay, and we actually talked to her on the face-to-face. One of her goals was to identify characteristics of the Savior in 150 people around her. Oh, wow. wow. Like, isn't that inspired? We never would have thought to suggest that. But that was inspiration. And what she learned from being intentional about having eyes to see, the goodness and the greatness and the capacity of those around her was really sweet. There were young women who wrote cards to 150 people. Mm -hmm. There was one young woman who drew a picture of people with the Savior, like watercolored, really pretty, and mailed it to them. And she did one of us, so our young women presidency with the Savior. But can you imagine what it would be like for someone to open their mail and see a watercolor picture of them with the Savior? You know, young women who really went out of their way during this pandemic to serve healthcare workers, to help those in need, Mm -hmm. to serve in their families, to look outside of themselves. We got so much feedback that this was such a blessing during a pandemic, during a shutdown, when people kind of turn inward, but to have an opportunity to really be intentional about looking outward and seeking revelation and how they could lift and bless. It was so inspiring. I could go on and on and on. (laughs) Well, I love that. I love the examples. And it's amazing that it was an invitation that you gave. It wasn't do this. It, it doesn't feel like a like a checkbox, you yeah. know? And then the response was that people got to be so creative. It was so individual. There weren't mm-hmm. any parameters on it. And so you could just feel their individual testimonies. And, you know, I saw some of these things on social media and it was mm-hmm. amazing. Mm-hmm. 
it's wonderful. You know, from picking up 150 pieces of trash on the street to or indexing reading. 150 names. Yes. I saw that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just the creativity, and it just speaks really to the greatness and the capacity of the youth, and that they really do want to make a difference, and they're anxious to accept invitations, and that they can receive revelation mm-hmm. to know what would be most mm-hmm. valuable for them in their lives, and the exactly and the people around them, and this accepting that invitation. I love it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're amazing. I've become acquainted over the last couple of years with an outstanding young woman who has taught me so much. We actually had her on the face-to-face. If you'll remember the wonderful young woman that shared her story, her name's Faith Murray, and she lives in Washington. She has a disease called Chromo, and she's in pain every day. And sometimes she's wheelchair-bound, sometimes she's not. And her ability to look outside of herself and to serve others has been remarkable. And her mom said that Faith gathers others with her when she does projects or when she looks to serve. And she said, everybody wants to. It's more fun with faith. And I thought, everything is more fun with faith. When we have (laughs) faith in Jesus Christ, things are better. But faith made a statement that I think about all the time. She said, and I'm going to paraphrase this, but she said, I got to the point where I just couldn't sit in my sadness. And so she has gone out and she's done something about that. And I think all of us have to make that decision. We could all sit in sadness. We all have hard things. But when we are intentional about thinking, I can't sit in my sadness and look for opportunities to step outside to bless others, Heavenly Father will use us. And it doesn't mean that our hard things go away. We're still going to have them. But our capacity to bear them will increase. But I loved her line to not sit in sadness. And I've mm-hmm. had to give myself that pep talk even in the last month since the face-to-face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Come on, Michelle, don't sit in sadness. <laughs> you know, Go out and do something. We have so much to learn from the youth. And I think as adults, we desperately need what youth and young single adults have to offer. We need the creativity, the, the vision, excitement. the excitement, <laughs> the passion to make a difference. We have a lot to learn. Mm -hmm. And maybe you can share then your vision for what leadership looks like in young women, specifically Mm -hmm. for those class presidencies, and then what the role of, like you've said, these kind of mentors and shepherds. That's really how we see the adult leaders. What does success look like now? Thank you so much for asking this question. We are asking adult leaders to do things differently than they've done in the past. And I find myself often wishing I could go back and do things over again as a ward young women leader, as a stake young women leader, because I think I would do it differently. But we learn line upon line. And I think a lot of it comes from like the invitation of a prophet that there are youth need to be engaged in the work of salvation and exaltation. And class presidencies have a vital role. I think sometimes as women, and I'm going to generalize it, Mm -hmm. and I'm speaking for myself. But sometimes it was easier to take over, and the young women are busy. And so I didn't want to put more on their plate, and I didn't want to stress them out. And you want this final product that will be uplifting and will be a blessing to them, and then we end up doing it ourselves as adults. And I think the desires are good. Mm -hmm. It's not— Oh, absolutely. You know, you just—you want this for the youth. But the importance we're seeing of young women, class and quorum presidencies— leading out and learning what it is to receive revelation. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be the source. We want to turn them to the source. 
such a good training ground. Yes, and being okay with this may be messy. It may be messy. In fact, when we train warden stake leaders, um, we show a picture of, he's my grandson, he's so cute, but like at 18 months, feeding himself, and he is a mess. <laughs> he is such a mess. But we said, at what age do you stop spoon feeding a child? And why do we do that? It's so hard to do. I have a two-year-old that just, it's a disaster it's still. A, and I'm it, like, I, I know you need to learn. They need to learn, and we have to let it get messy. Uh-huh. You know, they don't go off to college still being spoon-fed because we never wanted to clean up a mess. Yes, And so we have to be okay with the mess. Mm -hmm. And they learn line upon line. And I think when we talk about being a shepherd, a mentor, it's a balance. We're not dumping everything on them. Sure. We're not saying, this is all on you. Text me if you need anything. Mm -hmm. It will require probably more of us as adults to be close and to understand what it is that the youth need. Just sitting by them and being there as a support and shepherding them and helping to develop their capacity so that then they can in turn shepherd the class members that they are called to lead. And it will look different for every girl and it will look different at different times in her life, Mm -hmm. depending on what's going on. If she's got a lot going on at home that may be hard, maybe she doesn't have the bandwidth Mm -hmm. at that moment. And an adult leader will know that and will Mm -hmm. be sensitive to that. But they can do much more than sometimes we give them credit for. I look at the Salt Lake Temple that's right outside our offices, and we see it all the time. And I look at the scaffolding by the spires, Mm -hmm. and I think that is the role of an adult leader. It's to be close and to be a support, and then we're going to step away when the time is right. But we're there if we're needed, and it's Mm -hmm. a close relationship. And I think it's one that will take us to our knees as we seek heaven's help and seek inspiration for what is needed and help them learn what it is to receive revelation in their lives. Mm-hmm. So. And it's such a real relationship. I just recently saw the invitation around the face-to-face to reach out to or a previous young woman leader or like uh-huh. highlight them and how they've helped you in your life. That has totally been my experience. I feel really fortunate, but I recently invited one of my young women leaders to lunch, you know, before the pandemic and just talked to her about real problems and things in in my life. And her support was the same as when I was a young woman. You know, now being an adult with a family, it was just amazing that Heavenly Father can facilitate these relationships and that they can be eternal. They're just so real and so Mm -hmm. strong. I just have loved that. And I bet that meant so much to her. I hope so. Oh, I'm sure it did because of the great love I'm sure she has for you. And we're sisters, and we're all in this together. And Well, and it is interesting to think about. I don't work in young women, but I teach the youth Sunday school class. And it's so interesting to think these kids that seem so much younger than me and in such a different phase of life are really not that far away from just being where I am. Mm -hmm. And very soon we'll actually be more like peers than, you know, these kids are like 15 years younger than me, but that it's just not that far away. And I think that's interesting to think about too, in terms of relationship. And I think in kind of preparation for this, looked through and observed some questions that different leaders were asking. And I think you saw leaders that were saying, we're trying to do this, but the girls aren't really responding. Right. Or on the other end, you know, we've given so much responsibility that it seems like the girls are overwhelmed. And kind of what I hear in your response in the role of an adult leader is if we're just working on knowing and loving the girls, and I think about my own young woman leaders in the past and Shaylin, what you've described in the relationship that you have, 
that that helps ease maybe some of those difficulties. It's like if we really can get to know and have a real relationship and the girls know that we love them and they are developing a relationship with us, then there's a way to work through those challenges and difficulties. And there's serious challenges too. There are. And we want to acknowledge those. They are. And I think we love them. And because we love them, we want to engage them mm-hmm. and help them develop the capacity to be the leaders that they need to be. Yeah. yeah. I think you've shared some really great things mm-hmm. for leaders to think about. Thank you. Well, and it's difficult now when we can't physically meet and do the things that we're used to. Mm-hmm. And so we're I'm so just, limited. We're so limited. And so I'm just wondering what counsel and advice would you have for both leaders and young women in class presidencies as to how to connect and stay in touch with young women in their groups? What does that look like right now? And especially, I guess I feel that some might think, you know, we're not doing enough. Like, I feel like there's more that we can do. So when is enough? <laughs> How do we <laughs> know that we're doing enough? Like and what does, yeah, yeah, what does success okay. look like? That is such a good question. And I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think in talking to so many adult leaders, young women leaders, youth leaders, mm-hmm. um, men, women, I think a lot of people are struggling and a lot of people are feeling like, I'm not doing very good at my calling right now. I think that's not uncommon. And so... And probably not just in young women either. No. If women yeah, are in like, relief okay, society or primary in, or... in relief society, in elders quorum presidencies, mm-hmm. in a lot of people are like, I don't think I'm doing a very good job on my this calling This isn't in right the handbook, now. right? This is not... And <laughs> when, when there's a global when pandemic. When there's a pandemic. And <laughs> we've never done this. And we can't say, well, when there was a pandemic five years ago, this is how we did it. And I think it's lasting longer than we thought it would. And it's going to be different for everybody in the world and depending on what their circumstances are. But at the beginning, it's just kind of locked down and we're not doing anything. And then time goes on and on. And, you know, we're not on a vacation from our callings. We're just not. And I think Satan is not taking a vacation during COVID. I hear President Lund, the young men's president, say that. And that just hit me. Satan is not taking COVID off and neither can we. And so I don't know what it's going to look like. And I think that's individual for everybody. Um, The youth can be creative in reaching out over technology, you know, just even a text. Just we don't want to be forgotten. Mm -hmm. And I think everyone just needs to know that they're remembered. And maybe we're not having the big activities where we're gathering. And it's hard to do everything over Zoom. Mm -hmm. Especially when so many of these kids are in school all day over Zoom. I've heard that from the kids in my Sunday school class. Like, we're really worn out. are weary Mm -hmm. of Zoom. And that is okay. I mean, that's reality. And Mm -hmm. so I think we need to be kind to ourselves and give, extend grace and kindness to ourselves and to others and realize that we are navigating a new path. And we don't know when this is going to end or exactly what the right thing to do is. But I think it's important that we're intentional about doing something. I think that's a great point. Just be intentional about doing something. Uh And even to have that on your mind, like, what is it that I can do? I can't do this, but what can I do? Mm -hmm. Because I just keep coming back to what President Nelson has recently said about the Lord loving effort. And it's just like anything that we can do 
will mm-hmm. hopefully make a difference. And hopefully Heavenly Father can kind of take that effort and just yeah, magnify, magnify it, you know, it. so that people can know that we really are thinking about them and remembering them. Well, and I love what you said about people just want to feel like they're not forgotten. Yeah. I think like maybe that's, you know, a good thing. What can I do to just help people feel remembered and still included? And maybe that's very small and simple. Mm-hmm. And it probably will be. And people have different comfort levels of what they're comfortable with. And I think that faith is a principle of action. And so if we do something and just pray to know what is it that we can do, whether it's I'm serving as a class president or a young woman leader or a Relief Society president or a ministering sister, how can we just help those that we love feel remembered? And it's not going to look the same and it may be messy and that's okay. We're used to messy by now, aren't we? (laughs) Yeah. And I just think we need to be kind to ourselves and not feel guilty over everything that we're not doing because I think we can assume the best that most of us really are trying and we're navigating a new space. But I think it's important, like you said, Shailen, too, that we're intentional about doing something and the Lord loves effort. And as we exercise our faith and as we get on our knees and pray and then act on those impressions. And a lot of times they will take us outside of our comfort zone but that we need to have courage to act on those things that we feel Mm -hmm. prompted to do. Mm -hmm. And we're all learning. So Sister Craig, you and the other members of the General Relief Society and Young Women and Primary Presidencies recently joined Instagram, which is very exciting. exciting. (laughs) We'll include a link to your profile. Hopefully you get a bump in your following (laughs) and the other sisters as well. It's so exciting because it's just great to hear more from you and see more of the work that you're doing. So We think that that's really exciting. But one of your very first posts shared a picture of you as a young woman, Mm -hmm. and you shared just about a time that you felt, and maybe more just as a youth, feeling very inadequate or lonely or left out and how you made a very intentional choice to stop focusing so much on yourself and step out of your comfort zone to lift and build others. When I saw that, I just thought, this is not easy to do as a teenager. Right. Or as an and old or, yeah. woman. Or as like an old woman. <laughs> when we all just really, really desperately want to belong. Mm-hmm. So I wanted you to share about how that pivot in thinking came about and how, like you said, both as young women, but also as adult women, we can make that similar conscious choice. That is a really good question. And it was, I'd say, gradual learning. And there also came a point where it was a pivot, like you said. Mm -hmm. But I remember as a young teenage girl feeling awkward. I was awkward. I look back and feeling left out and wanting so desperately to belong, to be included. And I remember, and I hesitate to share this, but I will. (laughs) And part of the reason is because I love my grandma so much. And when I think about people who have impacted me for good, my grandma is at the top of the list. But I remember as a young teenage girl My grandma was visiting once and she said, come here, honey, come sit down. And I went and sat at her feet and she looked at me and with all the love of a grandma, she said, Michelle, you're like a little ugly duckling and someday you'll be a beautiful swan. And I remember trying to blink back the tears and what I heard was, you're ugly. And I thought, my grandma thinks I'm ugly. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember I went into the bathroom and I locked the door and I went and I sat in the sink. (laughs) And I looked at myself and I thought, my grandma thinks I'm ugly. (laughs) But she really didn't. She didn't. She loves me 
still so much. So I hesitate to even say that. But in my young teenage mind, that's what I heard. And I remember crying and then feeling great love from Heavenly Father and feeling like, you know, I am a daughter of God. And then I thought, I can't rely on my looks to make friends. I'm going to have to work on being really nice to people to have friends. So that pivot kind of started the learning. And I don't want to simplify it. It wasn't fast. It wasn't easy. And it's something that I really struggled with even my whole teenage years. And my family Mm -hmm. moved right before my junior year in high school. And my junior and senior year of high school, we moved across the country. I didn't dance. I didn't play a sport. I didn't play a musical instrument. I had no group that I Mm -hmm. could immediately identify with. Mm -hmm. And I was lonely. And looking back on it, I didn't make the efforts either. I didn't. I just kind of withdrew a little bit, and I was lonely. I remember just very intentionally thinking, I am tired of this feeling. Hmm. I do not want to be lonely. I don't want to focus on everything I'm missing out on. And I was 17 and went to college, and I just made a very intentional shift. I signed up for everything I could sign up for. I made a goal. My brother encouraged me to learn the names of five new people a day Hmm. and use them. So I did that. That was really another important pivot in my life where I thought, I don't want to feel this way anymore and I can do something about it. And kind of making a conscious decision to care more about what other people thought about themselves when they were with me than what they were thinking about me. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. And sometimes I have to remind myself, even as an adult, you know, like, oh, yes. Oh, mm-hmm. no one came and sat by me at Relief Society. No one likes me. I think, no, I'm going to get up and go sit by somebody else. Yeah. And to focus on trying to bless and lift with every interaction. I think we have to be intentional about that because people are busy and life is busy. And if we wait for everybody to come to us, We might be waiting for a long time. Mm -hmm. Sister Craig, just in this conversation, I'm thinking of one of my family members who reflects on her experience as a young woman, and she wasn't ever called in these class presidencies. I mean, we've talked a lot about that, how important Mm -hmm. those are, the class presidencies and those leadership skills learned there. And she feels like since she wasn't called, that reflected on her spirituality or her capacity. And so I'm just wondering, because I see that affecting adults too. So I guess what would you say, I don't know if it's to leaders to support young women who aren't in the class presidencies, or what would you say about these girls that maybe are feeling similar feelings about not being in class presidencies? Okay, that's a really good question. And it hurts my heart that people feel that way. I think as adults, we have a responsibility to love and see and notice every single youth. It may be those that aren't coming that don't fit in the box. It may be those that are in the front row that you would think everything was just fine, but they are struggling. I think all of us, we have received a direct call from President Nelson to every single one of us be engaged in the work of salvation and exaltation. And I think sometimes when we don't have an official calling, it frees us up to do even more. Hmm. And that we can look for opportunities to serve and to bless in a whole different way. And so if we can call ourselves to, who can I lift? Who can I bless? Who does the Lord need me to love today? I think it's very freeing and that a calling is not indicative of someone's worth or capacity or goodness. I'm afraid that sometimes we feel that. We equate those. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there are actually 
with the changes in organizations over the last few years, I feel like there are less callings. Yeah, that's true. You know, for adults, especially sometimes there are less opportunities and we're only meeting every other week. Mm -hmm. So if we can look for opportunities, each of us can take it upon ourselves to find out how the Lord needs us, how our hands can be used to further the work. And we don't need to wait for an official calling. And not having a calling gives us more time. Mm-hmm. Some flexibility Some in flexibility. How, we, mm-hmm, how we do that. Exactly. And, and so, then I'm thinking even more responsibility. <laughs> in some ways, you know, that's not official, but it's like, oh, I do have the time and the we, capacity. We do, each of us, and ministering. And young women, we hope all young women, 14 and older, are extended an invitation to serve as a ministering sister. And that's a calling. Mm-hmm. And they can bless the sisters in their ward in a way that an adult can't. And that's significant. We all have work to do. And we were so excited to get to talk with you because we both really loved your recent General Conference message, Eyes to See, and know Mm -hmm. that that really resonated with a lot of people. And I love that we're seeing kind of themes from that message all throughout this conversation of our individual responsibility to know who we are and be able to see other people the way God sees them. There's just so many beautiful messages in your talk. We know that conference messages are often this huge labor of love and can be very intense. We'd love to hear how you felt guided to this topic and how the message developed. First off, Heavenly Father is so good. And when we have these assignments that feel so big, He is so quick and so generous to bless. And His grace makes us equal to that task. And truth be told, I knew this talk was on my mind and heart for months. And I started months and months before I even received the invitation to speak, started writing things down and noticing and praying and thinking about things. I remember when I listened to the BYU forum that I used a quote in my talk from David Brooks, who's a columnist Mm -hmm. that spoke there in his devotional about a need in our society is to be deeply seen and to deeply see others. And that just because this had been on my heart and mind so much, I immediately went and I read that and I copied and pasted and I started keeping a file of all these (laughs) scriptures and I noticed things and related. Mm -hmm. And I just, it's like Heavenly Father was helping me and giving me so much It was not hard for me to decide what to talk about in this case because he kept prompting me. And I even wrote a lot of my talk early last spring before I received the assignment in Mm. June and to speak in the October. So So I, when I had the assignment, I already had much of my talk written. Mm -hmm. And of course, I worked on it for months after because Heavenly Father cares about every word and just Mm -hmm. refining and taking things out and adding things. But Heavenly Father was so generous to bless me. And as things started unfolding, even over the summer and the events in our country and the division, it just became impressed upon my mind that this really was an important message for our time. And then maybe that's one of the reasons that I had been feeling so strongly and that all of us have an opportunity to see deeply. And we're told that holy places are temples and our churches and our homes. And I believe that Being with another person is also a holy place. And that when we see people deeply and when we treat them as they deserve to be treated, that can be a holy place. It's something I've thought about for a long time. And allowing ourselves to be seen deeply, soul deep, that's also hard. To break down the walls and to be vulnerable and to let others in 
to see us and then in turn to see others. It's a cycle, you know, to see ourselves as God sees us, to let others see us, and then to see others deeply. It's something I think that we're all working on all the time, mm-hmm. all of those things. I yeah, can a, yeah. a lifelong, never check right? that off. Yeah. I'm like, okay, it's a process. And it maybe I think that's one of the reasons that I've been thinking about this for so long, too, is because it's something that I really am working on and struggle with. Mm-hmm. And so it's a process. It's a lifelong process. But Heavenly Father is so patient and good to give us experiences mm-hmm. and to help us. Mm-hmm. And I was so inspired, and I think I just thought of this over and over again and thought about what I would do, but you shared in your talk the impression you received after praying to know what you should start doing and stop doing, Mm -hmm. that you felt the impression to stop looking at your phone, this constant distraction while you were in line. And just the very next day, this tender interaction you had with an elderly man at the grocery store, and it was his birthday, and he he shared that with you. And that was so impactful to me because, again, on a large scale, when I'm out and about, being more mindful about seeing other people, but even just in our very own homes, seeing each other instead of just being distraction. And so I did wonder if you had some thoughts about how we could be more mindful and present, especially in this time of just the distraction is so close. It's there all the time. We can be, we can distract ourselves whenever we want, how we can be more mindful and present to be able to see others. That's such a good question. And I think I try to be careful with my phone use, but obviously I learned and that experience taught me, I just, it was almost automatic for me to to whip it out because it was downtime. I wasn't doing anything in that moment but waiting, but I thought, how much have I missed by being distracted when I am with other people? So I'm trying to be more intentional just about putting the phone down. Mm -hmm. And I was in a meeting that really has influenced me so much, and it was a kind of a casual, conversational more meeting, and one of the senior brethren said something that has just stayed in my heart. He said, we should be thinking at every moment, who can I bless right now? And so I've really tried to do that, and whether it's just being with my grandchildren or with my husband or in any interaction, just thinking, what can I do right now that perhaps could be a blessing to somebody else? And that helps me be more mindful. Mm-hmm. And that's usually not being on my phone. Although sometimes I have had the impression, send a text. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's not that phones are bad, mm-hmm. you know, because there is a lot of good, but that is helping me to be more mindful and more present and just thinking, who can I bless right now? And what would that look like? Well, and I think that's just sort of a spiritual take on a popular sentiment or effort to be present. This idea, mm-hmm. let's let's be more present. Let's be mm-hmm. more mindful. That's what that is. Okay, in this moment, who who can I reach out to and who can I bless? I do think it's sad that 20 years ago when you couldn't just pull out a cell phone, there were more conversations happening in yeah. a grocery store line. There were more connections and interactions happening. And I do think we've kind of come to this place where it's like, well, I don't know these people. There's nothing I can give them. There's They're nothing gonna they think can I'm give weird. me. They're yeah. going to think I'm weird. And I mean, I do think people can be themselves. People can be individuals. Some feel comfortable chatting with someone. Some Maybe there's another way that, that they can be present and be blessing and lifting other people. But certainly when we are present, those opportunities are more available to us. A negative experience I had with this that has I have not forgotten, it, and I feel bad about it to this day. Years ago, I was in the grocery store, again, in a grocery store line, and I was checking out, and the sweet lady who was bagging, she was an elderly lady, and I had said hi to her before, and she had a very heavy accent. She was crying, 
and she had tears, and I could tell she was just on the verge. And I remember thinking, I should say something. Like, she's barely holding it together. I should say something. But I didn't know what to say. Mm-hmm. And I felt so awkward, so I said nothing. Sorry, and to this day, I feel bad. I feel like I missed an opportunity. Maybe I didn't have to say anything. Maybe I could have just given her a hug and said, you know, thank you. I just, I feel bad. And I never saw her after that because I looked. I thought, I've got to make up for that. So I think we can't be too worried about saying just the right thing because if love is our only motive, then we don't have to say it perfectly. And I'm so grateful for a Heavenly Father who is patient, who sees me deeply and gives me another chance. And sometimes these hard experiences are just what we need to help us. And again, we need to be kind to ourselves and just assume that everybody around us is doing our best, that we're doing the best. And some days, maybe that's just getting out of bed, honestly. Thank you. Well, Sister Craig, since we have you, we do want to ask if there's anything else you would like to share with the women of the church and just the listeners of the podcast. That's such a good question. I would just express my great love for Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ and the remarkable blessing and privilege it is to have made covenants and to be members of the church and that this is where we find joy. And I would just want to say that within the parameters of the church, we have more of an opportunity to reach out and to lift and to bless than in any other organization. And no one is perfect and we all make mistakes, but there is great joy that comes when we live the gospel of Jesus Christ and when we experience grace and kindness and we're able to extend that to other people. And I just think what a privilege it is that we can link arms and hearts and hands and work together to make a difference and to prepare for the second coming of the Savior, Jesus Christ. And it's a wonderful time to be alive. There are a lot of challenges, but it is a wonderful, wonderful time to be alive. And we're so blessed And I just feel so fortunate and am inspired by the goodness that I see around me every day. People doing small and simple things, making a difference and going about doing good as the Savior did. Well, thank you, Sister Craig, for sharing your experiences. It's been really encouraging to me to kind of look at my life and see what I can be doing differently and then also giving myself grace. I appreciate you saying that and mentioning Mm -hmm. that. So thank you for taking the time to be here with us today. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And to our listeners, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of the Latter-day Saint Women podcast. Shaylin and I love being here. It's such a privilege to meet with and talk with our guests. And we hope that our listeners are enjoying these stories and experiences and messages of encouragement as well. We love to hear from our listeners. We read every review and we appreciate them so much. So take a moment to leave us a rating or review on whatever platform you get your podcasts. And also feel free to reach out to us with any suggestions or ideas for topics or guests. In future episodes, you can contact us at podcast at churchofjesuschrist.org. And until next time, I'm Carly Guyman. And I'm Shailen Back. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.